Welcome, everyone, to a new episode of the Transcript Podcast. You've got me, Scott Krisloff. I'm editor of the Transcript, along with Eric Mackay, who's our lead author. We sent out a new issue of the newsletter yesterday, and last week was a Fed week in addition to an extremely busy earnings week. So there was a lot of data that was coming to markets last week. I think starting with the Fed, probably the most important thing was they signaled that rates are likely to come down at some point this year, that they believe that we are at peak rates, but they said that not in March, most likely. So expectations that they could start to be coming down soon may get pushed out a little bit. We had seen in past weeks, people's expectations of rate cuts in March starting to wane anyways, and people more thinking that rate cuts would be in the back half of the year. And so I think the Fed didn't necessarily surprise anybody here. Um, The surprising data point from a macro perspective came at the end of the week when uh, labor markets showed that a new job creation was still really strong. And so that seems to change the way people's perspective a little bit on potentially persistent inflation with strong labor markets. Eric, any thoughts on any of this? I think I agree. Uh, very busy week last week. I think it was one of the heaviest I've seen. I haven't seen in a while where five tech companies are reporting in one weekend. In addition, we have the Fed. Uh, so I think the key takeaway is what you've picked out, that it's probably not much, but it's sometime this year. But it's very interesting, though. Uh, the feeling I get is like the market is waiting with bated breath uh, when the Fed says signals that we're actually cutting rates significantly. But then there's one thing that I stood out, like he wants, the Fed chair talked about wanting to see six months of, of good data. I wonder at this point in time, don't they have enough data to see what exactly is holding them back in terms of cutting rates? Is it that they don't want to signal to the market that we are done and dusted in terms of dealing with inflation? Any thoughts on that, on why exactly they actually haven't pivoted so far now, or at least shown cut rates so far? Yeah, it is interesting. It seems they are being a little maybe overly hesitant. It certainly seems like inflation has come down. But at the same time, Jerome Powell has shown in the past that his Fed will act over a longer arc than probably financial markets may be ready to proceed. And I'm thinking specifically with respect to actually raising interest rates, as we saw inflation coming out of the pandemic, they were very slow to raise interest rates. It took them probably a year too long to raise interest rates. So they're risking running the same sort of mistake here on the other side of being overly tight for too long, because I think that the inflation data and the markets are certainly hoping that they start boosting up soon. And there was a quote from New York Community Bank that says borrowers are also waiting on the sidelines for lower rates. It's like everybody in the markets is just waiting for that moment when the Fed cuts in order to be able to get back into the market. But interestingly, capital markets are opening up from we saw the quote from Lazard. Uh, so I think generally it's just a hold your breath kind of uh, sentiment that you get in the market uh, so far. Uh, do you agree? Yeah, I think so. One thing in the newsletter this week that I wanted to ask you about uh, being in Sweden is UPS talking about weakness in Europe. What are you saying right now in Europe? Is the economy feeling any weaker, any noticeable changes? I think what I've seen most significantly impacted, I was talking a bit to students who are almost joining the their job market. It feels like the job market's a bit stagnant, uh, especially to do with markets associated with real estate especially in Sweden, they've been significantly impacted by the very high rates, so the very soft environment. The funny thing is that market prices are not that significantly impacted, 
It's just that this general lull now in terms of no new constructions are happening. I actually noticed some constructions nearby which have been going since 2021. Uh, if this was before the pandemic, it would, uh, they would have been constructed really fast. But right now it's like everything is at a post. In terms of purchases, you can feel in the economy, uh, demand is a bit subdued. So I, I do agree there's a bit of softness in Europe. I did see, though, with Chevron said that natural gas inventories are high in the U.S. and in Europe. I have Has that filtered through to energy prices? Are energy prices less significantly than so, they had been? Yeah, significantly. This year, there's been absolutely no talk about uh, high energy prices. It's one of the coldest winters I've experienced in Europe, but there's been absolutely no talk about high energy prices around Europe. So I think, uh, and if you look at the data, so the European Central Bank came out with, uh, it seems like energy prices, the fact that they're lower this year than last year has helped a bit cool the inflation, especially in Europe. So no talk about energy. I think the people are very well prepared uh, for this winter, I think. But beyond that, it was tech week. So I think maybe we should discuss a bit of the tech week. And I think my key takeaway was issues to do with cloud optimizations. They're a bit more the softening in that regard and cloud companies, especially the, the big three, they're doing very well. A significant chunk of growth for, let's say, at Microsoft Azure is, is coming from AI. So I feel like the beneficiaries of AI at these very early stages are mostly tech and the providers of shovels for digging, as we say. But the companies themselves, if you look on the other side, the companies that are talking about AI, they're mostly talking about AI helping them do their tasks a bit more efficiently. So there's no, not many companies outside big tech are talking about new revenue generation streams because of AI. Uh, what's your takeaway from the tech earnings season? Yeah, I think um, what's going on at the data centers is really the thematic element for the big tech companies. And at the data centers, number one, there had been weakness in cloud spend from cost optimization. So you had other technology companies who were trying to rationalize their spend at the hyperscalers data centers. The hyperscalers were talking about that basically being done now. So companies are done cutting costs, which is its own macroeconomic indicator that companies are getting more bullish, ready to spend more, invest more in things like cloud. So that's a positive data point just for IP spend, like CapEx in general, CapEx budgets. So there's that. And then the second big thing that's going on in data centers is obviously the transition to AI. And the investment in GPUs and compute that is capable of processing AI workloads. And so you're seeing major CapEx spend from the hyperscalers, from the big tech companies, the seven horsemen or whatever we're calling them these days. AI is a huge theme in tech. Definitely. But what makes what strikes me a bit is also the use cases that Amazon has found for AI in its businesses. They're pretty interesting use cases. Like they they have this AI tool that is able to read the thousands of summaries for you and then you don't have to read everything. And I feel like the best use case so far for most AI products, especially for the consumer side, is is summarizing content for you so that you're able not you don't have to read the whole document. You're able to read a bit of it and still get a feel of everything. Yeah, it is. I think the game changer for our perceptions of AI obviously have been the large language models, which are very good at reading large amounts of, of written language and mm. summarizing them. So the, the, the clear, obvious use case for them. Uh, but yeah, that's, it's interesting the way, seeing the way these things are going to be filtering into the economy. 
let's talk meta. Uh, you've been bullish. <laughs> How's been? It's finally yeah, a dividend I mean, stock. It's joined uh, the likes of Caterpillar now as a dividend I, stock. <laughs> Meta's up now five times since over the last 18 months, which is yeah. since we highlighted that there were changes going on in the earnings call that people should be aware of. And yeah, I don't know. I have much more to say than that, but nice win uh, for the transcript. Yeah. So for me, what stood out was the fact that they actually talked about the tens of billions of vid- public videos and public share- publicly shared images that they already have in the backyard to train their AI models. Of. So I feel like some of the companies are going to win in these companies with unique data sets like that. And maybe one more thing, by the Apple and AI, uh, still not much talk in earnings uh, in terms of what they want to do with AI. But the CEO did say that look out for us in the next couple of months, we'll be able to to show you something. Uh, Apple is not known to talk about stuff in advance. Uh, so I guess they're keeping it low. Uh, so let's see how that goes. And Apple Vision Pro, of course, was launched last week and it's going to be one of the categories in the wearable sections going forward. Uh, so that's an interesting one to keep track of going ahead. Any other takeaways from earnings in terms of tech? Yeah, a, a couple of important ones within the tech section. One was that microchip semiconductor company was talking about weakness in all of their end markets. Just highlight that because microchip has historically been a leading indicator for the broader semiconductor industry. When they talk about weakness, I always look twice at that. This time around, it feels like it's a little bit more of a lagging indicator than a leading indicator, but still wanted to to point that out. Um, And then the second thing was AMD talking about extreme weakness in its video gaming segment, uh, down double digit percentages, they said in 2024. I bring that up because it is an industry that that is one to keep an eye on, specifically with respect to GameStop, my mind goes back to being a, a legacy meme stock that still is carrying quite a bit of a premium to it from those days. If fundamentals are turning negative against it, that would be an area to be concerned about if you're a GameStop shareholder. Any thoughts specifically on that part of it? I don't have much. I just it's interesting though that microchip is struggling when others like uh, AMD and Nvidia are really having a good time. I feel like AI has maybe overshadowed what would have been a quite a tough period for some of these companies the last two year or so. So AMD and Nvidia benefiting to data center, so that's covering up for some of the weaknesses that are in the other pockets of the market. So I think the the chip industry seems to be going through a downturn, save for the AI that is boosting growth. And I think that's a, a good place to close at. Yeah, I think that's a good place to close. Yeah, so I think last week was peak earning season, actually. So from now, yeah, it's going to get a little bit easier. Uh, I think around 70 S&P 500 companies are reporting this week. So we'll be keeping an eye on all of them. So subscribe to our newsletter and be able to get top content from us every week. See you next week. And thank you for joining us this week. Bye. Thanks, everyone.